the number of unreached is growing every year, and there's an urgency to act, TFRC. Since the beginning, we've been a missional church, and from the video, you can see, but the Great Commission isn't done, reaching all the nations. We have prayed, supported, sent for the mission of God over the years consistently, and God has done so much through this faith community, but we're not done. And today we're gonna talk about more that we can do to finish this biblical command to reach all the nations. We need to be bold in our commitment for God's mission. A few years ago, God put this strongly on my heart. How many will not know him if I don't do my job with boldness? I listened to a podcast from an Afghan ministry um, missionary that was married to a U.S. missionary, and they had agreed that they would have their home base here in the U.S., however, be overseas for long periods of time. Their first time period back in the United States, and this was all pre the current situation in Afghanistan, but the first time they were back here, she pleaded with her husband, can we please go back to Afghanistan? explaining to her husband that she hears a lullaby from Satan and that the Christians here are asleep and they don't hear his mission. Hearing this, I realized if I look at my life, I've had long periods of time that I've been asleep for God's mission. And the enemy is taking our attention away from God's mission and filling it with all of the distractions and comforts here in the United States. And that often keeps us redirected from God's purpose in his mission. God gave me this image of running a marathon for him. But instead, we are army crawling this marathon and sometimes even backwards. And I wonder if it's just me or if others feel the same way as me. Her words put things in perspective. What if as a Christian, we were all awake and these seasons of slumber disappeared? What would it look like to wake up to God's mission and we could commit to not allow busyness, social media, TV, sports, our hobbies, you fill in the gap with whatever consumes most of your time. What would it look like to wake up and how would we change the Magic Valley and the world? Because we have mission partners all over the world. So today, let's jump into scripture. Today's scripture reader is Melinda Frick. She is on our missions team here at TFRC. Here at TFRC, we believe that scripture should be central to our faith in Christ. So we place the Bible in the middle of the room and we stand as we read it. So please stand if you're able to today. Melinda, when you are ready, Please read from Romans 10, 14 through 15. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Thank you, Melinda. You may be seated. As Christians representing Christ's church, we are responsible for praying, sending, supporting, and going so people can hear, 
believe, preach, send, and go. Today we have an opportunity to meet one of our new mission partners, Brandon and Jessica Craig. They have been full-time in the mission field for Operation Mobilization, otherwise known as OM, for 11 years, starting in Moldova. The process he helped establish was to raise up locals that are maturing Christians so that then those locals could be missionaries to go in countries all around theirs, going places that we cannot go. And now he's become an international training director, which he gets to replicate that process with 5,000 workers and national directors all over the world. But I'd like, to hear, I'd like you to hear some of this information firsthand from him. Please welcome um, Brandon up. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here, Brandon. My pleasure. So, Brandon, tell us a little bit about yourself and Operation Mobilization. Yeah, no worries. Well, good morning, church. <laughs> Um, it's so nice to be home. Uh, I was born and raised in Shoshone, Idaho. Uh, and my wife as well, she grew up in the area. She lived in every podunk small town in the valley that unless you're local, you don't know, like Eden, Murtaugh, Hazleton, Hanson, Shoshone. Um, so it's always nice to be back home. You know, it's, sometimes as I travel around, people talk about, what did you do growing up? And I say, you know, I was mutton busting and pig wrestling. Uh, and they look at me like I'm crazy. Uh, but if you're local, you've been to rodeos, you know what I'm talking about. Y'all's my people. <laughs> uh, so it, it is good to be back. But you know, in 2011, we joined OM, and at the time, it was our first time overseas. We sold everything we had. We had our two kids, a few suitcases, and we moved to the former Soviet Republic of Moldova and Eastern Europe. Uh, and there we lived and did ministry. And you know, Moldova's the poorest country in Europe. In the village, there's 80% unemployment rate. And if you're thinking that sounds unsustainable, it is. There's a lot of issues and poverty and human trafficking. Uh, but even worse than like socioeconomic issues or geopolitical issues is the spiritual poverty in Moldova. In this small country in Eastern Europe, we found out there are over a thousand villages that have no church, no gospel witness. We don't even know of a single believer in these villages. And we said, that's the unreached. That's where we want to focus on doing ministry. Uh, and so my role was serving in training, discipleship, and evangelism. So we raised up and equipped Moldovans, nationals, to reach their own nation. And I was on the field leadership team. So we were a large team. We had about 100 full-time missionaries in Moldova. But most of those, over 70%, were Moldovans. Moldovans that we had trained, and so they were leading this movement of seeing Jesus preach to their own nation. And so that's really what we focused on um, since 2011 until now. Um, and actually last year is when I became the international training director, so my current responsibilities are to oversee the vision, strategy, and implementation for training and equipping for our 5,000 workers in over 120 different nations. That's awesome. So why should we um, be committed to God's mission to reach all the nations? That is a good question. <laughs> it's a big one. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it, guys. There are so many things that are vying and fighting for priority in your life, both godly things and ungodly things. And so this question of, you know, of missions, and we hear from missionaries, and the question really is, is this... You know, is missions just one of 
74 other important moral issues that we just are supposed to be dealing with? Or is missions, like preaching Christ, preaching the message of salvation, is that the principal goal of God's church? And is that the thread that we see through all of the things that we take part of? And I'd like to go to God's word. God's word is our foundation of truth and guidance and direction. So if you want to follow along, please go ahead and turn your Bibles on this morning uh, to Luke 14. Or if you're old school, you can open them if you're, you know. <laughs> but we just want to read through briefly Luke 14 and hear God's heart as he unpacks through this parable the kingdom of God. So Luke 14, a very well-known parable of the great banquet. And we're just going to go through quickly, but verse by verse, starting from verse 15, setting the scene. It says, when one of those who reclined at table with him, him being Jesus, Heard these things, he said to Jesus, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But then Jesus says to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And we know from the retelling of this parable in Matthew that this man giving this banquet is giving it in honor of his son. And so from this parable we understand that this man, the master, represents God. And the servant represents us. Keep that in mind as we go through. It says, at the time for the banquet, the master sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. And so this is just an important quick point to make is that the master sends us, he sends his servant to say. And I just want to highlight that as you're Sharing the gospel is your shining light, and it's what we do in world missions, is that the gospel must be spoken. It, it has to be proclaimed. Uh, and it goes together with demonstration, right? So demonstration and, and proclamation are like two wings of a bird that come together. And that's what the example Jesus gave us in his public ministry. Proclamation with demonstration. You can't have one without the other. So the gospel must be spoken. And as they were preaching the gospel, what happens? The servants go out, they're, they're sharing this message, telling people that the banquet is ready today. And starting from verse 18, there's all of these excuses, right? I mean, there's an excuse of someone's busy in a field. The next excuse was someone, you know, bought all of these oxen. And so they have these financial excuses. You know, and the third one, his problem was he married a wife. That's uh, not touching that one with the 20-foot pole. So, uh, No, really, it's not even about your spouse. What it is, it's a, it's a relationship excuse, right? Being worried about what other people are going to think and say about you. So you have these excuses of being busy, financial excuse, and relationship or worried what people will think. And if you've ever shared the gospel with someone or invited them to church, you have probably encountered one, if not all of these excuses, right? But I do just want to highlight before we move on, I just want to preach for one moment. It's interesting, these are oftentimes the same excuses that we bring with us into the church, right? If there's a need or, or, or there's a missions trip or, or whether it's getting involved in a certain ministry, 
oftentimes the excuses we hear are the same thing. We're either too busy or there's a financial reason we can't or we're worried about what people think or other relationships. And so we don't actually engage with the things that God is calling us to engage in. So we need to be careful of those excuses because according to this parable in verse 21, the servant came and he reported these things to his master, all of these excuses. It says, then the master of the house became angry. So it was the excuses that invoked the anger of God. And I, man, I just, I can't imagine picturing God when he's angry. Although Charles Spurgeon, when he was preaching here from this passage, he says, notice how God reacts when he's angry. He invents new ways of showing mercy to men. Isn't that incredible? Look here. It says the master is angry. So what does he do? He says to his servants, go out quickly then to the streets and the lanes of your city and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And so God sends them out and says, invite the people everywhere, every street, every alleyway in your city. Invite people in to this banquet because their place has been prepared for them. And this is the way God sends you guys out to Twin Falls. But it's important to notice, and this is where this idea of world missions and unreached comes into play. Don't miss this. It's very important in verse 22. So the servant said, well, master, what you commanded has been done. But still there is room. And so imagine this. The servant went out and apparently says, what you said has been done. So everyone in that city had been invited. Everybody had heard of Jesus and that there was a place for them at this banquet table. And I think that's a great vision for any church in any city, that everybody would hear of Jesus and this opportunity of salvation. And it happened. But the problem is, this servant says, but, but master, there's still room. And so imagine with me for a moment that everybody in Twin Falls is saved. Everyone, you, 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 you go out, everyone gets saved. That's incredible. Well, then mission accomplished, right? Just sit here and be a good Christian, and we did it. But according to this parable, there's still room in God's house. And so what does God say? Well, it says in verse 23, he speaks to that servant, the same servant in that city, and he tells him, go out then to the highways and to the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. And so it wasn't enough that just that city everybody had heard. God's heart, it says, well then go out. Go out to the highways as far as you can by plane, train, boat, car. And when the roads end, you need to go out into the bush, into the hedges, and compel people to come in that his house may be filled because he has prepared a place for people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation to experience the goodness of his son Jesus. And this is why God's heart is for the unreached. And that's why we do what we do. It's not a practical issue. It's not a sympathetic issue. It is a theological issue for God's church. He calls us to go out, just as we read in Romans. Mm, absolutely. Thank you. So what makes Operation Mobilization so fruitful? 
with reaching the unreached. Yeah, fruitful practice. It goes without saying, but it needs mentioned. Prayer and the word of God is at the center of everything we do. We must be led by the spirit. We need to be in touch with what God is doing. And the word of God, the scripture, is our strategy. It has to be based on that. But I believe in OM through prayer and scripture, there are three probably key elements that I can highlight today for what what allows us to have fruitful practice. Uh, And so if we looked at Luke and that kind of talked about why we do missions, the first question would be then, well, what is missions? And OM has looked at, well, what, what actually is missions? And I think for many of us, when we picture missions, if we were to boil it down into simplistic terms, it would be just go to another country and do good Christian moral stuff somewhere else. And, and I think for years that, that was probably acceptable. You know, a missionary might go somewhere and start a small rural country church somewhere and pastor it for 20, 30 years. And senders were happy, the missionary was happy, and it was like, okay, that's, that's missions work. But the reality of three billion people unreached cries out to us to rethink what is missions about. And when we think of unreached, it's really important that we understand what we're talking about. So I always love to ask, are there unreached people in Twin Falls? And the answer is no. There are unsaved people here, which is why you're here. God is sending you out to say, remember? There are people who who do not yet believe in Jesus, and you need to be light and proclaim the gospel. There are unsaved people, but unreached. In fact, in the missiological world, we're not saying unreached anymore because it's kind of confusing. What we're starting to say is without access. There's way more than 3 billion unsaved people, but 3 billion is the number of people who will be born, they will live their whole life, and they will die without ever hearing the name of Jesus once. And it's not because they don't want to or they don't care. They don't have access. They don't have Bibles in their languages. There are no churches around them. In fact, 84% of all Muslims, Buddhists, and Hindus will never meet a Christian, ever. Like, not at the gas station or in a coffee shop or in their family. They just do not have access to this message of hope. And so this is what we focus on. We say, okay, that is not acceptable. This is what missions is. It's when God's church, capital C Church, stands up and says that is not acceptable. We believe everyone deserves to hear the gospel at least one time. And so that's, that's kind of what missions is for us. The second question then naturally is, okay, how do you do that? Um, and the scripture, again, is our, is our source of guidance and truth. So how do we do missions work? I remember a number of years ago, I was speaking at a little conference um, with some missionaries, church planners. Um, and so I just got up and said, who here is excited to, to do church planning? And everyone was like, yeah, ooh, exciting. Uh, and I said, that's cool. That, that's great. I just have one question. Where does Jesus tell us to plant churches? And we know Matthew 28, 19. 
Jesus says, therefore go and make churches in all nations. That's not what he says. He also doesn't say, therefore go and make converts in all nations. What does he say? Go and make disciples. Disciples. Make disciples of all nations. So there's the strategy. That's what the Word of God says. Let's keep it simple. So we go and we focus on discipleship. Uh, and following along in Matthew 28, what do we do with disciples? We teach them, right? And my role as the international training director is that, is, is teaching and training people with the essentials of discipleship making. And so we teach them. And further along in the scripture, what do we teach them? Do we teach them all the commandments of Christ? Well, yes, but it actually says teach them to obey all the commandments of Christ. And there's a big difference between teaching someone obedience and just passing on knowledge. And this is what we call uh, obedience-based discipleship versus knowledge-based discipleship. Because it's not just about teaching them principles theoretically, but it's like, let's teach you how, how do we live out this Christian life? What does that look like? What are the commandments of Christ? And how do we apply them today? And what's amazing is what is one of the first commandments that we teach someone when they become a believer? The Great Commission. We say, great, you've been saved. You are now an ambassador. And look what Jesus tells you. Go, make disciples of all nations. And so it's disciples that make disciples. So we often say, every believer a disciple, every believer a disciple maker. And that's, I think, one of the key strategies, strategies we have with OM. And the last point would be if we looked at what is missions and how we do missions, the question is then through whom do we do missions? And similar to what we did in Moldova, missiologically, we raise up and we train the local indigenous believer and equip them. And it's so practical. They know the language. They know the culture. They have like naturally occurring networks of relationships already within their people group because they're there. So we come alongside and we equip and empower. But what's so important about empowering these people when we're doing far culture missions work is it paints a much bigger picture of what God is doing across the globe. And to highlight that, I want to show you my favorite picture as of a few years ago. So I just want to ask, looking at my favorite photo, what do you see? And just think in your mind, what's happening here? Most people see, okay, this guy's going, he's evangelizing, we're getting the gospel, you know, to someone in the Middle East, that's brilliant. What's actually happening is we have a Muslim background believer, a brother in the Middle East, and he's evangelizing an atheist tourist from Europe because he wants him to repent and go back to Europe and start spreading the gospel. Incredible what one photo teaches us. But this is what God is doing. The church, Big C Church, is exploding in the global south and it's declining in the global north. So when we're thinking of missions and training people, in OM, by 2030, we expect 80% of the global missionary force to be from the global south. So when we're training people, you know, it used to be we would say from the west to the rest, but now it's from the east to the least. And so it's not so much training, um, you know, American to how to thrive and survive in Mongolia, but I was just working on a situation. We have a brother in Saudi Arabia who's getting called and feels called to go preach the gospel in Sudan. 
And so how do you kind of help prepare him culturally and what does he need with discipleship to prepare this? And so this is a picture of what God is doing and where he's growing his church and we want to be a part of that as well. So then how can we be a part of that? What does that look like? Yeah, I think, I mean, we, we read from Romans. God very clearly lays out how it happens. And I think John Piper, when he talks about Christians' involvement in world missions, he says, we have three options. He says, either we go, we're the ones who preach, either we send someone in our place, or we disobey. Because that's, God, God made a plan, and that's how, you know, there's goers and senders, and that's how it has to happen. God designed it to be done in a team. So if you want to get involved, you know, in OM, we say there are three ways. The first way is we say to pray. Pray for the world. Pray for missionaries. Pray for what God is doing. You know, every Friday at 9.38, we stop and we read Matthew 9.38 when it says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray, therefore, to the Lord of the harvest to send workers out into the harvest field. And we pray, Lord, send workers, send people, raise up people who will not be satisfied to live an ordinary life, but will go and proclaim Christ to those who do not know. And so be praying. And I think of, you know, every missionary works together in a team, and we need people praying for us diligently. I remember uh, a few years ago, we were preaching the gospel with a team um, along the river in Moldova, where there, at a place there was no church. Uh, and the police got called on us, and they came, and they confiscated our passports. They took a couple of our Moldovans away. We're sitting there, and it was like, oh, what do you do? You know, you just, just pray. And, uh, and it was getting late. The Moldovans weren't back yet. The, the guard, the, the policeman was still there. And I said, hey, it's getting late. We're here. You know, we'll just go ahead, head out, and hopefully resolve things. And he said, no, you cannot leave. And I was like, I was like, okay, you know what? Fine, you know, it's getting late. We'll just kind of pitch some tents. We'll just sleep outside the village here and we'll stay. And he says, no, you cannot stay. And I said, you're not giving me a lot of options to work with here. I'm not sure what to do. Um, I ended up, he allowed us to, to kind of camp out and we stayed the night. And early next morning, we, we kind of snuck out onto the river before they noticed it and we were able to keep preaching the gospel. Uh, but a year later, I was back in the States um, just on support raising furlough. And there was a sweet little old lady that I'd never seen before, and she came up after a church service, and she said, what were you doing on this date? Little finger right in my chest. What were you doing on this date? And I don't know. I don't even remember what I had for breakfast. So I was like, I, I don't know. I was like, but why? She was so adamant. And she said, because the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night, and he would not release me all night long to pray for you. And sure enough, that afternoon when I looked in my diary, that was right when we... We're dealing with the policemen and our passports confiscated and Moldovans taken away. And so God uses everyone in the church and we need people praying for what's happening on the mission field. Praying is the first thing. The second thing is to give. Send someone in your place. And I just want to say missions does not just happen automatically. You have goers who sacrifice and live by faith. And you have givers, senders who sacrifice and give by faith. And together, missions happens. That's what Paul told us in Romans. 
And so I just want to challenge and encourage you. I don't even care if you support us, but support somebody. Support a goer. Join a team. Join a missionary. And and give by faith and get the gospel to the unreached. And today, outside, you will receive, you know, this the Inspire pamphlet of missionaries. And pray over it and consider who can we join, who can we start praying for just as long as you're doing your part. Let's all sacrifice for Jesus to make sure people have access to the gospel. So make sure you're supporting someone. I, I encourage you. Um, at the same time, while we're here, you know, Philippians 4 says, you were concerned, but you lacked opportunity. And so as we're talking about the unreached 3 billion people, if, if you're sitting there going, that concerns me. I want to do something about that. And if you are looking for an opportunity, look through that, that pamphlet. Jessica and myself, we're also looking um, for missionary senders. Uh, we're, you know, even I have this fancy title, but we're just, we're support-based missionaries. We don't have a salary. Nothing funds this. Every penny we get is from a faithful family or individual or church who says we want to see missions happen. So we're also looking um, for supporters as well. But just make sure you're giving to this cause. And the last thing, pray, give, or go. And I often think of that quote from David Livingston who says, oftentimes I look up and in the morning sun I see the smoke rising from a thousand villages where Christ has not yet been heard. And my question is, why not you? Why not you? Why not you be the one to go into a village or a place and for the first time tell them that God became a man and took our place and made a way and his name was Jesus. Can you picture yourself being that person? I can. You might be that person to go. But as well, and just as we end here, I know Christy's going to share some opportunities, but I think some of us, we could be so focused on life around us and tunnel vision and, and with the rhythm of life. And I understand there's real hurts and pains and busyness and job and mortgage and all these things. And so some of us need to hear this, this voice crying out, just saying, lift up your head. Look at what God is doing in the mission field. Be a part of that. We need to dream bigger. But likewise, I think some of us can be so focused on big picture that we forget around us Many of us in our own families or jobs, there are people going to hell. And this place is considered reach because you're here to shine a light. So don't forget the people around you. There are so many opportunities here with the church, in the valley, with refugees, people in your family or workplace. Preach the gospel. Demonstrate the gospel. It is the purpose God has given to us. Thank you so much for being here. Let's thank Brandon for coming. Brandon will be in the Mission Corner in the Octagon. Stop by. He would love to answer any questions you have. And then we have a lunch over in the gym after this service. So join us over there for lunch. We'd love to have you learn more and get to hear more stories there. Based on an article, Mission Statistics, Have We Failed the Great Commission by Mission Portal, it states that 0.02% of Christians are evangelical or actively engaged in missions worldwide. Has God only called 0.02% of his Christians for missions? 
No, that hurts my heart to hear that number. Every single one of us is called for this mission. And it's in different ways. Like you said, time, commitment, finances, short-term, long-term trips, all of these different things. It's going to look different for us. But there's opportunities right here in the Magic Valley in the U.S. There's over one million international students each year that come to the United States, many of them from closed countries, that here is the first time they'll hear about Jesus. One of the largest unengaged people groups is the deaf community because people just tend to shy away from sharing with them Jesus. There are hundreds of refugees that are in the Magic Valley every year. Again, many of them from closed countries. We have opportunities that happen in loving relationships, intentionally making rooms in our lives to share Jesus with others in act and in word. You'll get the mission book at the end of the service as you've heard about. I challenge you to prayerfully connect with somebody in that book. And instead of sharing our lives in the name of Jesus just here, we can donate to those mission partners, but those mission partners also would love to have this active relationship with you, that you know what's going on and what they're doing to, to join them on their journey. Today, you can connect with the Craig family, and by supporting them, you will go to the least reached all over the world with 5,000 workers. So what relationships could you intentionally develop to bridge the gap for God? Going back to the scripture, Romans 10, 14 through 15, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one they they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news? What if we wake up from this lullaby and pray for God to show us how to make room in our lives to bring the good news of Jesus? We could prioritize the church and God's mission above everything else like we talked about hobbies, TV, social media. And instead, we could volunteer at Mustard Seed, Summer Serve, the Refugee Center. Or we could support campus ministries that are working with international students from all over the world. You could join prayer teams. You could attend short-term conferences like the Words of Hope Persian Conference, McCallie's Home, or Aka Outreach. You could also build a new relationship with Remember New, the Craigs, or the Toms, all in ministry. God is calling us, and we all have a part in his missions. Please pray with me. Thank you, Jesus, for this day. Thank you for this church community having a heart to serve your mission. Holy Spirit, please speak to each one of us and help us know how you're calling us deeper into your mission and give us the strength to act boldly, to take the steps we need to do for you. Thank you for all of our mission partners doing work all over the world. Please be with them and fill them with your strength for your, the hard work that you have laid out ahead of them. Please be with all the least reached, Lord, in the world and send the Holy Spirit to speak to them. Please go before us and our mission partners to share the good news of Jesus. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name, amen.
Please let me leave you with this blessing. The Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.